Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 177 of the Fun with Cars F1 podcast for coverage of the Bahrain GP. I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau. And it's good to be back in person in the same state, same building as you. Yes. Because um, last week uh, the show was a little bit uh, disjointed, trying to uh, talk to you without being able to see you, without being in the same place. Uh, but we were able to make it work. And, a couple uh, thousand miles away, yeah, as it were. exactly. So, uh, you know, we're uh, back in back in the same spot, able to watch the race together this time again, which is great. And, uh, and, and that proves... It proves that the race is, is much better when we watch it together. It really is. Uh, as far as of all the races, if you just had to read the report of one without watching it, China was the one to uh, to just to miss. And, uh, yeah, and you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was funny because I was reading just the results. And just from the finishing order, I was like, oh, okay. Mercedes, Mercedes, Ferrari, Ferrari, Williams, Williams. Yeah, okay. And then you get through it and you're like, okay, it, this wasn't much of a race to miss. Right. Uh, so, but luckily, uh, we had. Luckily, we're back together, and we had a great race to watch here in Bahrain. So it's just a week's time uh, since the last race. So we don't have a whole lot of news and follow up. Uh, but we did get an email from Dave Stevens, who was uh, emailing us about uh, with a link actually to the uh, the auctions of the old catering equipment. Do you know they're selling off their gym equipment? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got I kind of got sidetracked as soon as I saw their like multi you know uh, several hundred server strong like Dell supercomputer that they yeah, use for all the stuff. I think they have a NordaTrack. <laughs> they probably do. So, I mean, I'm just saying. Think about that. This is for your cardiovascular uh, exercise on top of everything else. Yeah, well, that does explain a few things about me that I'm so much more excited about uh, computers than I am about fitness equipment. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Dave's email uh, was, bit, you know, goes on to say, very sad to see more parts in the team's equipment being sold off. All teams from Mercedes to Manor work so hard, and now to see that hard work being sold to the highest bidder is such a shame for the sport. And uh, and you know, we agree. It's uh, it's interesting to see behind the curtain a little bit to see. Uh, you know, the inner workings of the teams. And, exactly right. You know, what the equipment is and, and how, you know, what some of the documents and intellectual property and patents that are valuable and some of it's just literally hardware like gym equipment and whatever. Um, but well, it is, it's a shame to see that, you know, the team is just no more and getting sold off. Yeah, just real quick. It said there are over 1,200 items currently available for bidding, including driver seats, race support equipment, memorabilia, merchandise, show car parts, factory equipment, as well as sea freight, hospitality and catering equipment. And that again, that goes on to other things such as printers, cabinets, office furniture, and gym equipment, like I mentioned earlier. So yeah, it's a real liquidation. Not even, not even a oh, make way for 2015 type of liquidation. This is right, everything. Must go. Selling the handles off the doors, I think, there as well. Um, so Dave continues, I would love it if a solution to the high cost of F1 was found and we could go back to the days of 60s and 70s having 30 to 40 cars on the grid, so many that they have to pre-qualify. Soapbox moment over. Uh, and, yeah, that's definitely a common theme, uh, which is, you know, controlling costs. And there's, you know, yet another story out even just today uh, from, you know, Bernie Ecclestone thinks that the costs in F1 are too high or something. It's like, what? <laughs> well, yeah. But that uh, – yeah. But th- it's interesting because – that instantly reminds me of a lot of people hearkening back to the heyday of the Indy 500 when sometimes as much as 70, 80 cars would arrive trying to qualify and there were only 33 spots. And why can't we get back to those heydays? And the the answer is we live in two different realities. I mean, to get back to 60s, 70s, would inevitably mean getting back to 60s, 70s, safety regulations and some other things like that. It, it just can't be done. Do you know what I mean? Right. And I don't want to come off all dark here, but it's just – I guess what I'm saying is I totally agree with Dave Stephen that that was a great era. But 
we're in a different kind of great era now. Right, because of course manufacturers aren't going to spend you know millions and millions of dollars and pounds and euros to build something that may or may not make it on race weekend. If the whole point of the the endeavor is being funded by advertisers and they need to be in the race to be seen, um, and also it's really not the case that you know a couple of guys can get together and in their garage build something and go race it, which used to be the case, like you say, with uh, you know lower requirements all around and exactly safety right. and everything else. So um, being you know, a savvy privateer. Uh, now would mean something very different. Right. But, I mean, the good news for fans of racing is that there are so many categories of racing that, yeah, Formula One is what it is today, and it's very different from what it was decades ago. But there are so many other forms of racing, everything from these, you know, several of these build it in your garage and race it kind of series with these $500 cars and all these different things and, uh, you know, yes. endurance races and, and sprint races and all kinds of things. And, uh, you know, there's been so many like, even uh, SCCA race series over the years. And now there's series for like, here, you know, you have an old crappy race car that's not really, really eligible for real racing anymore. Well, come race it in this series. So there's all kinds of fun stuff you can do yeah um, and again i mean i think what we're getting at is like what's great for the spectator and you know formula one in today's day and age with the environmental realities with the economic realities with um just finance and budget realities is i think a very good show but there's a lot of reasons to look at other shows as well. Um, the World Endurance Championship is an obvious one. That's something that both Jim and I look at very closely. And then also um, the way that uh, the FIA GT3 class has um, uh, matured. It's become a very cool production-based series to watch. So there's really a lot of different racing. I guess we're just kind of cheerleading for racing right now. Racing is good. Right. Well, let's, let's not mourn the loss of certain categories of racing. Yes, Formula One is different, and Formula One has become a very specific thing with the rules and all that, but that doesn't mean it's bad, and there's still plenty to talk about there, as well as all this other racing that's going on. So, in a way, you know, keeping it positive that, uh, you know, some guys in a garage can, or guys, gals, everyone, can put together uh, a, a car and go race it. That's not going to be in Formula One, but there's still a place for that, so that's okay. Right. And I mean, I think just to close the loop, we we absolutely uh, understand where Dave's coming from. There there was hearkening back to that uh, golden romantic era where you know someone could pull themselves up by their bootstraps and to just have that extra will to get themselves into the position they are. And we we absolutely agree that was a very cool era for the sport. And if any of those uh, privateer kind of uh, endeavors want to get a head start, well, they can buy some of the old catering stuff because it's all for sale. Don't forget the gym equipment. <laughs> That's very important for uh, for your amateur racing needs. Um, but yeah, we did have uh, you know a great conversation on Twitter and everything today. Um, it was an 11 a.m. race start, which just makes all the difference in the world oh, compared it was to three o'clock in the morning and all that. Oh yeah. Um, so it was it was great fun to take part with all of you uh, on hashtag FW Cars um, for the first time in the 2015 season, tweeting along live and uh, and doing that. And uh, and and another guy who was taking part in tweeting along about the race. One Jensen Button, I have to say. Uh, yeah, and it's just quite amazing how good he is at Twitter. I, I was actually, by the end of it, getting a little offended. It's like, wait, how are you good at this, too? And he was entertaining me, and he had the little, uh, what are you, the gif of the Simpsons reference of Abraham Lincoln going in and out right away, kind of describing his situation uh, for the weekend, and then on to clever things to say about... Uh, uh, Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton. I mean, he was just, he was on point. He was clever. He was snappy. It's like, stop being good at things. Yeah. Well, he, you know, he was not hip to hashtag FW cars. So maybe next time, gents, if you're a listener, which we know you are, room for improvement, um, go ahead and uh, go ahead and hit that up so that, uh, you know, our fans make sure and follow it. Uh, but no, it, it was fun. I mean, it's sort of, um, it, that's kind of Jensen's style, right? Is not to, uh, just get, you know, really negative and pissed off or whatever, but it's like, okay, I'm out of this race. There's something I can do about it, but, 
um, he was, you know, having some little jabs at uh, at the Mercedes a little bit, you know, having uh, having, you know, uh, some fun at Checo, which is that that's great, you know, knowing the dynamic between the two of them as former teammates, and then uh, it's like, oh yeah, look, Checo's getting a reprimand. Oh, hmm, yeah, like you know, without even having to say anything about it, really, just by calling attention to it, it was funny on its own. Uh, but it was too bad that he wasn't taking part in the race. I was just gonna say there was a real sadness there that he wasn't participating. He was eleventh quickest in was it FP two? He or FP1, I don't know, like the one session he had where the car didn't fail. And, uh, it, you know, Fernando Alonso got the car into Q2, and Fernando Alonso ended up finishing the race ahead of people. Like, right. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and not just the, the manners. Huh? Yeah, he ended up, uh, Fernando Alonso finished 11th, which uh, is the exact same position that Jensen Button finished in Australia. However, there were other cars driving uh, behind him. You know, there were 17 cars that finished and uh, Fernando Alonso was 11th, and he was only one lap down. The uh, If you'll remember our claim chowder that I was touting uh, McLaren's uh, chance of getting into Q3, I think is going to be there at Monza, and that one of the two will finish in the top eight. This is bolstering my claim, sir. Uh, it does look pretty good. And also, my other claim was that the Williams were you know, going to very likely to run very close to each other, and then that could cause problems for them. Uh, was nowhere near because, of course, Massa <laughs> decided he didn't want to be on the grid because he didn't want to car his ro- you know roll his car off on the formation lap, thus having to start from the pit lane and work his way up from the back. So he was nowhere near Botas for the entire race. But it was nice to see Massa kind of you know picking his picking apart his race, and he didn't end up finishing. Uh, oh no, wait, that's qualifying. Got to be careful here. Almost said he ended up finishing sixth. That didn't feel right. Finishing. But while you look that up, can I just make the point? So the Formula One dot com is terrible now. Um, this used to be like a great quick reference. Yeah, you, no you could kidding. pull it up. We we all knew how it worked. And there, okay, so there's one thing when something changes. Like, oh, I, I like the old one because I know how it works. Okay, we've spent some time with the new F1.com now. We know how it works. It's still terrible. It's pretty bad. It's like designed to maybe make sense on a smartphone or tablet. But even then, it's just the, the interface on a computer. No, I, I think it's designed to encourage you to spend money on Formula1.com so that it can have yet another revenue source. And it's still behind a lot of other series in terms of the type of live streaming you get offered and things like that, and yet their uh, interest in charging you for things is right at the top. Uh, Felipe Massa finished 10th, which is, you know, bits he picked apart slowly but surely um, over the course of the race. Yeah, they were nowhere near each other. And But I do want to say, I want to make another claim here, and please, fans, uh, I encourage you guys to join in. I want... I, I loved that you called uh, what I said last show claim chowder, and I want to make claim chowder a thing. So every podcast, let's have some claim chowder. Well, that's the thing. So, well, claim chowder, which I can't take credit for, is uh, my my uh, exposure to it is from uh, John Gruber and the DaringFireball.net website. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it's when other people make claims like, oh, you know, and then this. Case Ooh, should we call it uh, claim bisque? That's just weird. Um, but when other people say, oh, yeah, this product is going to be terrible and, you know, people are all wrong, like, oh, the iPhone's never going to go anywhere. Samsung's way better. And then his making claim chowder is like, look at these guys, like basically with the, with the benefit of hindsight, um, how wrong they were. And uh, so it's just, you know, it's, it's only, I guess, claim chowder when it's wrong. If you make a good claim and it's, and it, and it's correct, oh, well, there's then, no chowder to be made out of it. But then I was right, though. Right. Ish. So, right. So it's just since you didn't know what claim chowder was called, you sort of you, uh, you were hoist by your own petard there. Uh, I hate that. Yeah. Why you got to petard my hoist or whatever you just said? Why you got to use words that oh, I don't know on, and claim things? Reference. Oh, wait. What's a Shakespeare? Oh, good. I'm kidding. Now, okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll come up with our own cle- clever name, like, I don't know, accusation bisque or something. And uh, 
<laughs> move on from that. But anyway, okay, aside from the people that were not in the race or stunted their race right from the beginning, there was seriously lap one through lap 56. Lots of passing to watch on track. Um, lots of good racing uh, questions about the lead, different strategies taking place. Um, I, I don't know what it is. We're now two years in a row because Bahrain was a very sleepy race for a long time. But since they've gone dusk and dark, it's been exciting. Last year was great. This year was just as good. Right. Well, um, I think a big a big part of that is uh, Sparks. Uh, having <laughs> Sparks titanium on the hurt. bottom of the car. Yes, that's uh, right. Which, I mean, we'll talk about for a second. In a way, it's kind of a joke. But in a way, it's like this was something that, you know, the, the FIA was like, oh, well, this will be more exciting. And I don't know if this is a Bernie Ecclestone thing and it got approved or whatever. But, um, you know, there obviously we've seen some sparks uh, already in the season. But with the night race like this, it's a way more visible thing. And, and, and so it, it sounds cheesy, right? Because it's like, okay, these are Formula One cars. These are the best drivers in the world. Amazing technology, you know, close racing, blah, blah, blah. Sparks seems like such a stupid gimmick. And yet, here we are watching, we're like, that's really freaking cool, especially like a, like before turn one, uh, after the start and then on all subsequent laps, there's this little bit of a compression in the track in Bahrain. So you go from kind of like a little bit of spark, a little bit of spark, lots of sparks on all the cars there. So these uh, these moments where uh, a car is rejoining from the pits and, the, and there's other cars right behind it, um, especially, you know, between the you know the top three guys um, with, uh, with, with Vettel and Rosberg fighting it out and all these kind of things, um, just having a shower of sparks behind the car. I have to say is pretty sweet. So um, as much as maybe that's kind of a, uh, you know, to appeal to the 10-year-old the and all of us, um, you know, my inner 10-year-old is very happy about this. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm well, okay with it. It's, it sparks. It's nighttime. And it does. It's not, it's not really a fake thing for the show. It's just livening up a real thing for the show because the cars always scrape the ground. And they did so at uh, horrendous speeds. And, you know, they had to keep at least one millimeter thick barge board at the end of the race. And that was regulation stuff. They said, well, gosh, if we change this from, you know, balsa wood or whatever it was exactly to titanium, there's more of a visual display of what's actually going on. So all this is, is a helpful uh, reference for the eye to see just how hard these cars are pushed and what the drivers go through to make them get the lap times they do. And that's great. So for me, that's not gimmicky. It's a win-win. Right. They didn't add sparklers to the cars. Just right. so they go, look at it. It's sparkling. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly right. And uh, if they do add sparklers in addition to that, please put them on top. And I think it's, you have to have a minimum of like, you know, two or three toddlers saying, yay, in the little, background. I don't I know how you're going to put little, that. Little pinwheels on there as well. <laughs> exactly right. So, um, but... We had sparks, but we, you know, much more importantly, we had great racing. And we had, yet again, Lewis Hamilton come out on top. He's clearly in a very healthy place right now with a comfort with the race team, with the race car, with his position as a driver. He's not, he doesn't seem to be dealing with any inner demons um, in his personal life. He's in a great, great place. However, this was not an easy win for him. Well, I mean, he was... um he was under some pressure at the very end for, well, in, from, from Raikkonen, but... I should say in context, it wasn't an easy win. It was an easy win, but for <laughs> Hamilton, it was not an easy win. Okay, because uh, it's, you know, I think, you know, Rosberg is clearly the one who's, uh, you know, just in, you know, embattling uh, with, uh, you know, in qualifying, being split by Vettel, you know, that uh, that Rosberg was third, not second behind, behind behind Hamilton. It was almost a given that Hamilton would get pole. Uh, lots of folks predicted that. We'll talk about predictions later, but... Um, yeah, you know, the, but that uh, Reich, or this is the Reikkonen, uh, that Vettel uh, was, uh, w- you know, was second place in, in qualifying, and then Raikkonen right behind there, and then of course, as it panned out during the course of the race, uh, that Kimi Raikkonen ended up second, pushing Nico back to third spot, 
Um, in this case, you know, we'll see if, uh, you know, he says it was a brake failure. Uh, he had no, no brakes for the last two laps of the race, and that's what caused the problems. Um, how much of that is Lewis's fault? We have yet to hear, but I'm sure most of it. Uh, but it's it, it's all you know it's it's all Rosberg um, just being you know who's having to be there back there and, and battle with with Raikkonen and Vettel who are no you know easy guys to battle with both of those guys I mean of course anyone who's near the front of a Formula One race is going to be good at these things but in terms of uh, you know just just close battling and lap after lap and sort of being able to see a, a, a you know a move a pass that may take sort of four five six seven corners to uh, to pan out but sort of being able to plan the car you know get the car in the right spot plan the moves and all that you know all these guys are going to be really really tough to work with so um you know rosberg has a much much tougher road to hoe here um to uh to to move up and even moving up one spot uh would still put him behind lewis so he's it's you know really seems uh solidly to have to have fallen back in uh just a variety of ways when you say put moving up one spot would put him behind lewis what do you mean by that because well, he is now second in the in the driver's championship he did move ahead of sebastian vettel by one point, sixty-six points to sixty-five. Yeah, that's true. With Vettel taking fifth today, uh, many fewer points uh, with only ten points today. Um, I guess I'm mean, looking at the results right now uh, from from today in Bahrain, where he's third. But I feel like between uh, you know Raikkonen has had so far a string of bad luck and so on. Um, I think as it pans out, you can sort of say um, the the hierarchy you know s- seems to be Lewis, and then you know one of the ferraris <laughs> um, well i mean and then which could be we, like, we got to be, be could be both depending on if they both have a good day for some, right. know, somehow we don't want to be too reactionary it's clearly i kind of do well <laughs> it's clearly still vettel that has the lead overall however since you bring that up, I'm extremely happy to see Raikkonen uh, get a better result than Vettel this weekend. Not because of anything against Vettel, but because I always I felt that more and more people have been forgetting Raikkonen's true performance, his capability. And what he did was, through clever race strategy by him and his team, uh, got around Vettel handedly and ended up finishing second to Vettel's fifth place. So that was a real chance for him to gain points. He gained eight points on Sebastian Vettel today. So it is not going to be such a one-sided conversation when it comes to Ferrari. The first three weekends, the first four weekends have leading up to this have been, oh, Vettel and Ferrari, Vettel, Ferrari. Now it can be Ferrari with Vettel and Raikkonen. It can be a real conversation. Yeah, so at the moment in the Drivers' Championship points, Lewis Hamilton is doing quite well, uh, obviously out in front with 93 points. Rosberg, 66, and then one point back back is Sebastian Vettel with 65 points. Then there's a bit of a gap back to Kimi Raikkonen in 42, but he's pretty well ahead of Felipe Massa, and then it kind of goes on down down the board from there. So Raikkonen is fourth, um, but, uh, you know, I think over the next couple races, the question is, uh, you know, does does Vettel move back in front of Rosberg? Because, of course, you know, they're one point apart now. That's that's nothing in the, uh, the way points are. Um, you know, with 25 points for a win and all that. So uh, being able to uh, to see how that pans out over the rest of the season uh, will be interesting. But uh, again, well, I mean- it's it. I have to. It gets way more interesting than that because this was the end of the opening of the season. Right, we're we're done with the fly away races. The next stop is two weekends away. So we have two weekends off, and then we're in Spain. So we are much, much, much closer to everyone's headquarters. We're in Europe again, and we have two weekends off before we get there. So this will probably be, in my opinion, the biggest single shakeup in performance that we see between the cars. So 
the biggest changes can come now. Are Williams going to leap ahead? Is Ferrari going to leap ahead? Is Mercedes going to become really dominant again? What's going to happen with Red Bull? What's going to happen with uh, Lotus? What's going to what's going to happen with Red Bull v Toro Rosso? This is the chance for Red Bull to pull ahead again with their resources. But do you see what I'm getting at? This is this is the biggest gap where um, what's been learned from the first flyaway races can be applied to the cars. Yeah, and I'm definitely looking forward to see that. My my expectation is that not as much will change as will stay the same, um, where probably everyone will move forward slightly. But what you hope for is that is, some accusation bisque you're no, brewing. That's, a, that's just that's not a thing. <laughs> that's not an accusation. Um, but no, I mean what we're hopeful is that somebody like Honda will will you know take the opportunity to move forward. And I think they've said that their their revised car may may be delayed a little bit and wouldn't be out in Spain or whatever. But um, so we'll have to see. But hopefully it's it's you know teams that kind of aren't where they we feel like they deserve to. Be. Maybe Williams will get uh, you know get some of their long run pace figured out a little bit, or uh, some of their speed through the corners to to match the straight line that they've got now, or something. You know, you kind of you think there are hopefully little little changes to, to make it up, but I kind of doubt that uh, Ferrari would suddenly become dominant over Mercedes, or that Mercedes would take a huge leap forward over everyone else. I think you know it's, it's typical. Uh, a lot of these teams will move forward, and uh, maybe in slightly different ways that'll then you know play to the strengths a little bit differently. But I'm um, definitely looking forward to seeing that uh, just to kind of keep things uh, keep things interesting. But I, things are interesting right now, so well, it's I, not like we need it. I disagree with you about Mercedes for one reason, one reason only. If Mercedes is intelligent about this, the biggest single thing they can do to stretch their lead is to have a serious sit-down with Nico Rosberg and be like, look, calm down. You're amazing. We think you're fantastic. You're 10 years into the sport. You're mature. You're brilliant. You're a race winner. But just get your head down. Ooh, I use get your head down. You there like that? It is. Yep. Get your head down and focus on the racing, and you're going to be just fine. Stop complaining about the outward things that you, the, you, know, that you ultimately can't change anyway. You know, this is... Nico Rosberg is getting pretty close to complaining um, about the sky being blue and why that's hampering his race somehow. Yeah, and it's Lewis's fault. And it's <laughs> clearly, I mean, I thought that part was obvious. Uh, it, it's, I think if they can get Nico's head in the right place again, that uh, those two uh, can work together and once again really pull ahead. One of the biggest things that's been talked about in going against, going about, uh, talking about Ferrari. Kimi Raikkonen's never been happier with Scuderia. He's mm-hmm. very happy with the way things are going. Vettel, is it's a dream come true for Vettel to be with the Ferrari team. And, um, and for that relationship to already have borne fruit in the course, you know, case of a race win. I mean, that's, that's exactly a huge right. boost for everyone three, involved. Three podiums and one of them being a race win. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Arriva Bene um, proving to be genuinely an enthusiastic team principal, which is great to see. I mean, he was fist pumping with fury when he saw uh, Kimi Raikkonen get around Nico Rosberg uh, right at the beginning of the race, whenever he saw a pass, he he is clearly, genuinely, truly just a fan, let alone everything else. So I'm quite pleased with Riva Bene. And uh, so what Ferrari has right now, their, um, you know, their deciding factor here is uh, team culture is fantastic. And I think Mercedes could uh, could regain some ground if they built that back up. Yeah, and for now, Mercedes is in the lead of the Constructors' Championship as well. But now that hopefully, uh, you know, Raikkonen's quote-unquote bad habit of poor qualifying and uh, mistakes in qualifying and so on is over, uh, then we could start to see uh, a real threat on the Constructors' 
for uh, you know for Ferrari challenging Mercedes on that as well, uh, which is the kind of thing. It's it's all well and good when everyone's out in front, and uh, you know it's like even if uh, if Rosberg slips to third or fourth in the drivers' championship, but when the team starts looking at constructors' points, obviously that's a, a big factor that a lot of us as fans aren't as excited about in terms of the you know the the excitement of who's going to win um, is not usually down to the teams nearly so much as it is to the individual drivers, but um, that's definitely a big factor for the team and something that if they if they that lead gets gets closer uh, or you know the, the lead gets uh, gets diminished to Ferrari then uh, you know they're definitely going to want to look at it I mean they're, they're going to want it, both their drivers to do well anyway so it's not like they're not thinking about how to win right now but in terms of priorities and when they really say okay enough is enough like this is how we need to operate as a team uh, and and so on um, I'm again hopeful that they can figure it out because it's as fun as it is to see thrilling on-track battles um, the you know press conferences with snide comments and stuff is not you know what we tune into Formula One for. That's uh, there's plenty of shows you can watch if you just want drama between people. Uh, but uh, what we what we really like to see is these things happening on tracks with sparks flying out of the back of them, no less. <laughs> but um, yes, you know some really close racing, which we had today. You know we if, had a lot of brilliant close racing. Yep, some of that between teammates. I mean, even between the, the two Ferraris. Uh, you know, going you know close but fair and uh, and keeping things. You know, they, those battles kind of fizzled fizzled out with pit stops. But still, um, seeing how the teammates are against each other, but then, of course, against other teams and, and seeing actual, you know, just, you know, good fighting and, uh, you know, some of the best drivers in the world duking it out. I mean, that's really what it's all about. So. Right. And actually, one of the best battles to watch uh, didn't involve a single pass. It was Valtteri Botas holding off Sebastian Vettel. And that is really, I want to get your opinion on that because Sebastian Vettel put himself in that position because he ran wide on the track and apparently that was enough to damage the front wing. That caused him some trouble. He ended up behind Botas, but could not get around him, and he had more than 10 laps to do it. So he caught him and just couldn't get around. So what does that mean for Williams and Ferrari? And, of course, huge factor in that is going to be how the two teams independently develop. But what do you think, Williams v. Ferrari? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's interesting because, of course, that was the big criticism of Lewis uh, during some of his you know, dynasty with Red Bull. It was like, oh, sure, well, when he starts out front, how it's not that easy. You know, it's not that hard to stay on You mean front. with Sebastian? Right, with Sebastian Vettel. Yes. Um, so to, uh, you know, to sort of continue that meme a little bit, it's sort of like, oh, well, once he's actually got somebody to get around, um, you know, not so easy now. Obviously, he's proven uh, from several you know, starts from the pit lane and things like that. You know, he, Sebastian Vettel knows how to pass people. Um, but I guess it's an interesting dynamic of – uh, what we were talking about with Williams, with they're so fast on the straights and then not as quick through corners, um, but being able to you know get enough of a lead that you know even uh, you know Vettel's DRS wouldn't have been super helpful against uh, against Botas. That's like every time he goes to make a pass, um, he's just not quite close enough. And then through the corners, it's so difficult to make a pass through there and make it stick without you know risking your own car and, and so on. Especially after he you know Vettel had just had an off and a lengthy wing change that you know was even a little bit of a delay over and above having to take the pit stop and having to take a, a wing change. So. He was, I'm sure, cert- certainly very concerned about uh, causing any more damage to the car. Maybe there was a little bit more damage, too, that, uh, you know, the wing wasn't the only thing. Um, so the combination of Botas being a good driver, the dynamics of the Williams, uh, you know, keeping it uh, just out of reach every time it was close enough to pass. It was just barely not quite enough for for Vettel to want to risk making the move. Uh, and Vettel, I think, also being, being smart about, um, you know, it's not worth throwing this away, potentially, um, for... Um, you know, to move from fifth to fourth when it was very unlikely that he would, you know, be able to get on the podium after all that. So sort of maybe not resigning himself to fifth place, but sort of doing the calculation of how much is it worth to push. Of course, Botas is, uh, is sixth in the championship, but um, pretty far back from these guys. So it's not really a, a championship kind of thing, but I feel like that may be... Well, not right now. 
Not right now, but you know that's that's the kind of calculus that uh, the top drivers have to do. And certainly, Sebastian Vettel knows about uh, you know priorities and trade offs, and and you know when to when it's when it's worth pushing and when it's not. So uh, it may have just been uh, sort of like, okay, I'll, I'll give this a couple goes. I'm not going to just let him walk away with it. I but- mean, he gave it he gave it multiple shots, and there were a couple of times where they pushed pretty hard. They raced each other clean. And they were very respectful of each other. But no, I mean, Vettel was trying to get around him. I, I know what you're saying. You're saying he took the long view in the terms of, I'm not going to put too much risk into this in, just for the sake of one more position. But it, it certainly, he was racing for that position. He wasn't just being lackluster like, oh, okay, I, I, I'll just stay fifth for now. Do you know what I mean? It, it was It was a real fight. And Botas despite that, held him off. Yeah, and it was great for Botas. And as you say, some of the most exciting battles um, are, you know, don't involve passing or they almost involve a pass and they don't quite happen. Uh, I'm thinking of um, Alonzo holding off Schumacher. Uh, what was that, Suzuka? You know, a couple times, actually, throughout the 06 season. Right, um, yeah. And, uh, and I guess 05 and 06. Um, but uh, anyway, you know, it's... It, it, you know, is this the beginning of the Botas era? Eh, no, probably not. But it's it is good to see uh, him up there. And <laughs> that, what what if this was the beginning of the Botas era? That's quite that's quite appealing to me. It's like, be. and then from then on, Botas was first place in Ron Paul every race. Yeah, once he showed he could hold off Vettel, it's just all like that he oh omg. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's fascinating to think of it that way. And I, you know, obviously my biggest concern throughout all of this is 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 Claire Williams happy? And that's, <laughs> of course it is. that is leading. That is why we're getting here. But uh, another thing I really want to talk about, kind of in this thread of who's going to develop how quickly, Renault said that uh, they're having some issues that they hope that the first improvements will come race five, race six. Well, race five, if I'm adding correctly, is Spain. I don't know how to even tell on this new website. So I, it, let's just yeah, go with well, it. And will... Uh, Will Renault have improvements in the car and if improvements in the engine? So that would obviously um, that would be a high tide that raises both STR and Red Bull. But how competitive will it make those teams collectively? Dude, the Renaults, man. Um, I mean, just to to uh, run through that briefly, we had double retirement for Toro Rosso's today with yeah, um, you know, both Max and, and Carlos. Carlos was out first. Yeah. Verstappen was what ten laps later, something like that. Um, and then, uh, in spectacular fashion, Daniel Ricciardo's car, just after it crossed the line, blew up, which, of all the times for a car to blow up, um, is, uh, I guess, about the best one, because it was, you know, literally just a few meters after the start line, or the finish line, in this case, um, that, uh, you know, it was it crossed the car just on wait, the inertia from the, from the engine blowing wait, up. Wait, wait, wait. Max Verstappen was one of the cars that blew up early. It wasn't Max. It was um, Maldonado or, or, talking, well, Ricardo's, or Grosjean? Ricardo's car at the very end. So oh, about. Ricardo. Okay. Yes, Ricardo, yes, yes. Yeah. Now, okay. Nick, uh, uh, yes. So Daniel Ricardo, right as he crossed finish line, yes. And, you know, this is, uh, I don't know exactly how this plays into the number of engines you can use, but he's already used a lot of engines. And they're definitely saying that, like, later in the season, when, you know, they still have engines for now, but later in the season when they sort of, like, you know, want, you know would normally uh, just, you know, use another race engine and they're kind of running out of them, uh, we'll definitely have to take some, some penalties. Um, so, you know, when your engine blows up, but it's after the race. I don't know how that how that counts towards your uh, your penalties, but it's not good. No. Um, and uh, and so, it's, you know, we've we've gone back and forth about uh, well, can you really blame Renault for these problems? And I think after today's race, you can sort of say, yeah, you can blame Renault. Yeah, for these this problems. one's on Renault. I, I'm I'm certainly happy to make that claim. Yeah. So it's, I mean, man, you really hope that they can move forward because um, if if it's true that uh, Red Bull will quit at some point, um, you know, quit the sport. 
uh, you know, I, I, that does sound a little bit sort of sore loser. And, and in a way, you sort of say, okay, we'll screw them, you know, off they go then. Uh, but that, you know, it's, it's like we talked about at the beginning of the show with the caterham stuff. It's like having a team that was a successful functioning organization just, you know, get sold off for scrap or whatever um, is is always a shame. Um, if STR uh, can move forward as being the Renault factory team and then, you know, kind of move forward from there, then that's cool from a small team to move forward. But it just, man, a Red Bull to, to fall from grace um, so hard and not just meaning in results, but in just like the attitude uh, in the factory and all that. Because uh, I know they they uh, made uh, you know talk you know articles and stuff talking about how the uh, Red Bull team, everyone in the factory, um, you know, would get bonuses based on points, and they were just raking it in for those four years with all the all the championships and all the points and all the one two finishes and all this great stuff. So even if there was some drama between the two drivers or some questions on this and that, it's like it was still just good times in Milton Keynes. And then as soon as uh, you know, it, it, I guess what uh, last year. Um, as soon as, you know, Mercedes was really dominant and, uh, you know, the Red Bulls weren't doing so well, it was just a whole different mindset. And uh, so, you know, rather than really saying, oh, we're going to quit because Renault is so bad, it's like, well, just our our house is not in order. Therefore, we're not having a good season. Therefore, no one's no one's heart is in it. It's sort right. of this, this cycle, this downward spiral that exactly. they just seem to be in. Take some responsibility. So here we are, the end of the flyways. We have Mercedes. I'm looking at Constructors Championship now. Mercedes comfortably in the lead. Ferrari, uh, you know, obviously nipping at heels just a little bit. Second in the Constructors' Championship. Pretty far back to third, but also on their own. Williams in the Constructors' Championship. Uh, 61 points versus 107 for Ferrari in second. And 23 for Red Bull in fourth. But this is where it gets interesting. Between fourth and what am I looking at? Eighth, we have a 12-point spread between those. So I would I would argue that's actually quite close. And we've seen... We've seen the different teams uh, stronger in different races among the first, uh, the four flyaways. So we have five teams kind of in the hunt for fourth place. Right now, Red Bull is uh, leading that. They are fourth in constructors with 23 points, Sauber fifth with 19. Then we go down at both 12 points, Lotus and Toro Rosso, and 11 points for Force India. Lotus, however, Daniel Ricciardo finished sixth right as his engine blew up. In seventh place, right behind him, was uh, Grosjean. Romain Grosjean was there in seventh. His luck seems to be turning around, and if things can continue well for him, the Lotus could really be in the mix here. Right, and um, you know it's good that you point out Romain Grosjean. All of Lotus's points, 12 points as they are, are from Romain Grosjean. Uh, Pastora does have zero points in the Drivers' Championship so far this season, Yeah, some of which have been his fault, some of them not. But today was not a brilliant day for uh, for Pastor Maldonado. Um, but I guess to add to that, which is um, arguably the point you've been making, McLaren right now sitting there ninth with zero points, it's not that hard to imagine them, you know, getting on this board pretty soon. And, uh, you know, okay, they're, so in, in one way looking at it, they have zero points, and that's a huge deficit back. But Force India is, you know, with 11 points, is uh, is only 11 points different. And, you know, a, a, a fifth place here, an eighth place, a seventh place, you know, there's, um, you know, making up a deficit like that is not the craziest thing in the world. There's lots of races to go. So um, you could sort of say McLaren as an outsider for that uh, um, for that that group of uh, of teams, um, you know, if they start to get the momentum on their side and get some good results, then it's it's not hard to imagine they've got two really solid drivers. And if once they can get their reliability sorted out, and uh, you know the the pace is even starting to come together, uh, that uh, that could start to be a factor. So 
it may be too little too late, but uh, hopefully not to uh, to have the McLaren move forward. And then Manor, uh, the only other team to have zero points, um, I have to say, have been making great strides. This was another double finish for them yeah. uh, with both cars making to the finish is, you know, more than you can say of, of you know, the McLaren Honda with all the all the money and everything, uh, more than you can say for, uh, you know, the Lotuses. Uh, just, just, you know, it's it's... And and look at their starting point. I mean, they were in legal battles just to be allowed to race. Right. And that just a couple months before that, they were in receivership. So they were really digging from a very deep hole. I mean, I don't right. think it would have been Zero, a surprise yeah. at all if we had a news article saying uh, Marusha is auctioning off all their stuff, get their gym equipment. You know what I mean? Well, like they, it, they did, didn't they? I mean, there were there was like there a, was a an auction. That's, car that's a good prototype, point. Yeah. Uh, because it was, and I don't know if that auction ever happened or if like the way the buyers came in and the timing. I mean, it was definitely talked about. It, it was like, oh well, here's the prototype 2015 car. And I remember, I think I saying on the on the show, um, like, well, this is the kind of thing you you know, it's very hard to come back from, or you know, not impossible, or maybe I said impossible, but um, it was. They came back from it, you know, which is the amazing thing. Right. So even though, okay, yeah, they have zero points, but um, with two reliable cars, um, you know, they didn't even start the race in Australia, but that's that's kind of one where it's like almost everyone who finishes gets a point. I think Um, that was uh, Jim's clamoring noodle soup. (laughs) Yes. Really coming together well. (laughs) Uh, The soup references. I'll, I'll come up with one. All right, good. Uh, but to see how far they've come and, you know, continue to have reliable uh, reliable weekends and uh, get to the finish of races with both cars, um, that's just really, really great to see. And I'm uh, just, you know, encouraged by the fact that that's working for them because if they had weekend after weekend where they, uh, you know, couldn't get the cars started or just had, you know, more and more problems, that, again, you're going to lose investors, you're going to lose interest, you're going to lose sort of faith in the organization. Uh, but they're, you know, they're they're trundling around at the back for now, but they're they're reliable. Uh, the drivers have been clean and smart. I don't think they've gotten any penalties for impeding people. They've been doing the right stuff to uh, to just you know maintain as a team for now. And uh, speaking of you know the bigger shakeups in the course of the season, uh, the new Manor GP car is supposed to arrive after the summer break. So look out for Spa and Monza and all that. That car really could be hey, you uh, never know. Uh, who knows what force yeah. to be reckoned with, or maybe not. But well. either way, it's it's cool to see that they're still at least for now, talking about progressing. I mean, it's great to see that they're still turning up at the races, to be honest. Um, <laughs> the money hasn't run out yeah. or whatever, but that they can potentially move forward is a good news you know, story in the light of all these other teams folding. And as race per race, I mean, honestly, this is weird to say in the same sentence, but both McLaren and Manor have been making big, big strides. You know, it, in Australia, neither car started for Manor. Um, in uh, Malaysia, it was, okay, well, they're not really within 100%, but we're going to make it happen. Well, and only one car, right? Right. Was, exactly, yeah. exactly right. And then it got into, okay, we're in with un, within 107%, and now we're getting closer and closer. Same thing with McLaren, one level up. And, you know, you could definitely argue, uh, going back to resources, that McLaren has more than Manor. So it's all very, very impressive. And, uh, you know, going back to McLaren, though, they have a an extremely tough task in the sense that, when everyone in 2014 had a new engine, they were sorting that out. Well, everyone's engine was new, and they were sorting things out. Honda is in a place where they have they have to come in with a performance um, that is one year more mature um, as the other teams because they've had a year worth of races to develop. So Honda's Honda's task is not small; it's very very big. And for me, it's much more understandable for them to have more issues because they are trying to push harder than the teams had to do last year. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I have a lot of respect for both teams. I, this is, here's a, Ooh, here's a claim that I think is very possible. I'm going to say that I think all 10 teams this year will score a point. Ooh. Okay. Cause last year it was, 
um, you know, Sauber had no points at all, um, which put them because um, you know Marussia did have points from Jules Bianchi. So um, Sauber, I think, was the only team last year to not have any. points. No, no, no Caterham. Caterham. Yeah, forgot. See, they've already, all their stuff sold off. I already forgot about them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so two points, uh, two teams with no points. So you think at some point, uh, you know, the, the McLaren getting a point at some point during the se- season is not uh, the, the most out there crazy claim. But to say that Manor will get a point, I'm really hopeful of that. Um, I don't. Uh, realistically, that's uh, hard to say because I think the cars, hopefully, I mean, if Renault gets their stuff more reliable, then that's going to be, um, you know, four more cars that uh, will potentially finish in front of them. And so right. On. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, well, you can stake your claim there and then we'll see if uh, if we end up making soup out of it or not. Yes, yes, it's my stake stake. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think that uh, overall we can look at our flyaway races from the calendar and say, Genuinely, uh, three out of four of them were pretty darn good. China was a little bit of a sleeper, but it was still plenty interesting uh, <laughs> in a way, thanks to Nico Rosberg. And lots to talk about. But now it, this is kind of another level of newness to look forward to because just more development is going to happen and there is going to be some shakeup. Maybe not quite as uh, drastic as we hope, but there will be some shakeup and we will see changes. And the development will become... Uh, a bit more rapid once again because things do not have to be flown over in crates they can be trucked over and etc all that kind of stuff yeah and you know just to get to sort of back to some of the i wouldn't i don't know that you know barcelona is a classic track but you know some of the uh you know some of the older tracks uh the teams know these tracks very well because of testing and all that so yeah it should be good uh you know fewer wild cards i mean bahrain you know still feels like one of the newer races but you know that's been that's been 10 years going and all that it's yeah like, well first race was 2004 oh, if i remember correctly well, there you go so, so i think this was the 12th running Although they didn't run it in 2011, but oh, you know, right. whatever. Um, but either, you know, it's these races like Malaysia, even they sort of creep up on you. Like, oh yeah, Malaysia. Of course, it's one of the newer ones. It's like, no, it's not anymore. <laughs> right. Uh, no, that's so, right. Which I guess just means that we're getting old. But um, yeah, I'm excited to uh, to see that, and I think that uh, segues pretty well into predictions. So let's take a look at that. Yes, and uh, once again, I get to share my winner seat with young Damien. And uh, the Hamilton-Hamilton prediction proved completely accurate, and uh, that was zero points for both uh, myself and the heuristic model. And 59 others who predicted Hamilton-Hamilton correctly for zero points. Yes. Well, you know, we got to do what we got to do. You, sir, you uh, wanted to spice things up with a Rosberg taking the win prediction. How do you feel about that? Uh, You know, I got two points, which normally is not so bad, except that um, I, I tied with many other people. A lot of people had Rosberg-Hamilton predictions, uh, which may have been in there from before. Um, I had, you know, Hamilton-Rosberg for two points, um, but it put me about 91st in the uh, standings for the Bahrain Grand Prix specifically. Well, that's one kind of first. Well, yeah, um, although uh, high score for this one, which is not necessarily a good thing, um, but Will Carver, who is persistent with his button-button prediction, um, okay, and, and just 38 uh, points for that. that that's, there's that's a respect lot of points. There. I mean, you have to genuinely respect the man for this. Right. Uh, Simon Jones went for rosberg Moss which is not the craziest prediction in the world, but with Massa's poor uh, start, you know, formation lap problem, um, bringing him home uh, later on, that, uh, that netted 11 points. So uh, quick shout out to folks at those end of the, at that end of the grid. Um, but overall, in summary, um, there's still lots of folks, um, 25-way tie for first place. All those people have one point. So right. well done to a lot of you. Um, um, I want to take, before you get too far, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Camilo Rubio, for her Rosberg Raikkonen prediction, because the Raikkonen part of her prediction it proved uh, a lot less wrong than a lot of people, and then we had a few people um, I see on my screen right now 
um, three, maybe more, that had Hamilton on the pole but Raikkonen to win the race. That proved to be a pretty darn accurate prediction, though not quite there. I see five people did that overall. And I'm pretty sure Camila Rubio is not a woman, but uh, we apologize for did, that. Did I? Oh, yes. I, it, yes. Right. Um, <laughs> so overall, in the overall standings, though, um, I, was, I was pulling myself. Um, so I'm not on the first page. There's a lot of people that are better. Than, so Damien and I are tied right now for 37th place in the overall standings with four points each. Um, and... Where are you, sir? Because you are. Oh, I am now seventieth. Seventy third. Oh, that's what I meant to say. Um, apparently, uh, with twenty points, uh, you moved up three spots today with your zero zero. So well done for that. That is correct. But the question is, next time Spanish Grand Prix, you sticking ham ham or where are you going? I mean, listen. Here's the thing. It's tempting to shift it up, but I can't. The logical side of me is just way too powerful right now, and. It goes back to what we were talking about with um, not just the uh, physical performance, but the emotional side of things. Who Who is mentally strong right now? And I've never seen uh, Hamilton in such a strong, confident place. So, yeah, I'm not changing a thing. So you don't think that um, Ferrari, who has done traditionally quite well at the Spanish Grand Prix, usually in... Uh uh, Alonzo's hands and Spain and all that. Uh, but yes, I do case, not think Alonzo's going to win for Ferrari. Not for okay. Well, that would be that would be amazing <laughs> if it happened somehow. Uh, but I mean, I, I, there is uh, part of me says okay, you know, Vettel um, slash Ferrari that they're more on upswing than downswing, and that uh, that could change. So I mean, one lap pace it's really hard to argue with Lewis Hamilton uh, for pole position. But I'm going to go ahead and put Vettel. I'm going to stop talking about it and just do it. Vettel for the win. Um, I'm thinking. Of, of all the ways that this could happen, that is one of them. And that, uh, again... That's one of the 20 people that could win. Uh, again, I, I agree I mean, with you are, completely. We are one, you know, loose wheel nut on Hamilton's car away from so many people getting so hosed in predictions that I don't want to be that person. So um, uh, I'm, 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 anyway, trying to be a little bit clever here. We'll see. Probably it's not going to work. And uh, next week we'll be talking about how... Uh, how far back Vettel was for whatever reason. But who knows, right? So I'm just, I, No, I mean, I applaud you. I think that... There is going to be a couple of races on the calendar where Ferrari genuinely has straight pace to match Mercedes. I think that will happen. I don't know if Spain is that place or not. And it does seem that when it comes to race strategy, Mercedes is getting a little bit sharper and they'll they'll keep Ferrari on their toes. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed too much, but it does seem like Mercedes is kind of taking a let's make our strategy do whatever it takes to cover Ferrari. Do you know what I mean? They are, they are reacting to what Ferrari's doing more so than they are just running their own race, it seems, these last couple of events than they were the first couple. Yeah, well, which so far is working quite well for them. But, um, you know, well, I guess we'll see. And so I, I you know, just it's, it's a bit lame, in my opinion, if everyone, you, me, and the spreadsheet model are just picking ham-ham for all the races, um, even though that's been successful for you um, so far. Um, except your Botas for the beginning, which did not work so well for no, Australia. No, it did not. That I, was that was your your once bitten, twice shy here. You and I kind of go back and forth on who's going to be practical and who's going to be more. Gosh, I want it to be different for the sake of being different, and you know your desires versus what you actually believe. Because you you tell me honestly, it's there, it's set in stone. There's nothing you can do about it. You got Vettel winning the race, but come on. Hamilton winning the race, you wouldn't be surprised. Right. But the odds of if – well, if something happens, the, the downside of this, you know, if Vettel doesn't win, you know, probably he'll be pretty close. That's a pretty safe 
upside, I think. But the downside, of course, if Hamilton has whatever kind of issue and uh, then so many other people in predictions will get hosed and I won't, um, then that's great. You know, if I get hosed, then so, so, so it goes. But just, you know, I'm, I'm using the, the Vettel or the Hamilton dominance, um, hopefully against it, uh, against, you know, the uh, predictions board here um, and trying to get a little bit clever. So far, it's not working for me. I mean, to be clear, this is, this is not a winning strategy at the moment. But um, if, if it comes true, then it'll be amazing and I'll make some kind of, uh, some kind of bisque and it's going to be awesome. Well, yeah, I yes, please. Almost no matter what, now I want you to win because bisque I'm is delicious. Just really hungry uh, is is kind of the problem <laughs> there. Uh, so it's going to be three weeks until you hear from us again. Uh, but thank you as always for listening and for especially for taking part, um, which you can do so by visiting funwithcars.com. Um, you can uh, comment on the episodes right there. There is, of course, a link to our Facebook page, which also has predictions as well. Um, also, if you're not aware, uh, we do show notes on each and every episode that comes out. So probably in the podcast player of your choice, uh, you can maybe hit a little info button or kind of scroll up and down and find uh, the show notes, which uh, for those that aren't uh, familiar with that, we have links to a lot of the stories that we talk about. There's a link to the prediction app, uh, to our website, to us on Twitter. All that kind of stuff is right in there as well, maybe right under your fingers and you didn't realize it this whole time. So um, just to make folks aware, um, also you can always go to funwithcars.com slash the episode number so in this case funwithcars.com slash 117 and uh, sorry 177 um, and you will have the uh, uh, show notes for that as well uh, and all the all of the links and everything will be right there so um, to make you aware of that also uh, we do want to uh, remind you and encourage you to visit iTunes and uh, give us a rating and or review if you uh, enjoy what you're listening to uh, because that really helps us out a lot as well and yeah please do send us emails or uh, leave posts on funwithcars.com or an email at feedback at funwithcars.com or carrier pigeon we'll, we'll take it all Ooh, carrier pigeon. That'll be a good one. Send your carrier pigeon to Fun With Cars World Headquarters, Detroit, Michigan. They'll just know because they're carrier pigeons. Right. USA. Ooh, yeah. The Earth. All right. <laughs> yes. Keep in touch with us in the off, uh, off season, in the next three weeks during, during the break because, uh, you know, we're always doing fun stuff. What, yeah. Why, don't, we, why well. don't you and I call it the spring break? Spring break. Yes. Oh, it's spring break. There we oh, go. man. When spring are we going to get break. rowdy? All right. Till then, I am Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. Nothing. Well, I mean, you just, just you said so many great things. I'm Robin Warner, and uh, that's what she said. Hey. <laughs> well, Nico. Whoever she is. Well, oh, I, I'm Robin Weir. I'm Ron Warner. Nico, it's not Hamilton's fault. Nico, attempt the brakes.